Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God told me to tell you this. That's paganism. Do you really expect and anticipate that the divine voice of God can be heard by you? That's horoscope reading. Standing in the office of the prophet of God. That's reading tea leaves. You can't have a relationship to God if you can't hear God. That is not biblical Christianity. You want to hear God speak to you? Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. I promise you, 100% guaranteed, you will hear him speak. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you don't like name-naming... Did I just say name-naming? If you don't like people being called out, you're not going to dig this here Wretched Radio program because we're going to name a name. That's right. There's a fellow in a church who is T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Man, what's his name? Diotrophies. You say, wait a second, that sounds really old because it is an old name. Now, if you want to be one of those cutting edge parents, you could take that name for your next child. I'm just saying Diotrophies is available, but you maybe don't want your child identified with a person that was called out by name by the Apostle of Love. That's right. John, the author of Perhaps the most overt demonstrations and expressions of God's love for his people that God does indeed love because he is love. And if you read through first John, second John, third John, you see two words that are repeated constantly. It's also repetitious. He even does it over and over again. We get the point. Truth and love. He talks about both of these hand in hand, speaking the truth in love. This is no easy task, but we have help from John because he in third John calls out an individual who is a very big problem for a church. And with his descriptors of this fellow, you and I then have some principles and guidelines for calling out somebody who reaches the standard of trouble that Diotrephes demonstrated. This was a guy who was basically a church boss. If you've never seen that in action, you're inclined to think, well, what could, they're not the pastor. What could they possibly do that would cause so much trouble? <laughs> Ask virtually any pastor and they'll say, oh yeah, I've experienced a Diotrephes. And by the way, If you've never known a Diotrephes, you might be a Diotrephes. This is the one who gets inside of the power structure of the church, who earns, to a degree, trust, and then goes about the business of running stuff, drawing all of the attention to himself, making sure that everything is done the way that he or she Wants to get it done. That's right. There can be church bossettes, too. And this individual is so much trouble for a church. John says, you got to call him out. There are some people that it's almost like the book of Proverbs and no, the Levitical laws in talking about the son that is so bad. They are so much trouble. 
Everybody has worked so hard, but the kid just will not live peaceably among men. You have to send him packing. You have to, you're out of here. You, you cannot upset this apple cart. Oh, how I wish we would have more rules like that these days. We just tend to absorb all of the troublemakers because we're 330 million people. According to Tucker Carlson, 230 million of which are actually on pharmaceuticals for anxiety and depression. That statistic aside, when a child is so disruptive, it wrecks a community. And you think, well, that seems a bit of a stretch. Shrink it. Go to a small town. Imagine that you are in a tiny town, sort of Jimmy, like the church that you go to. That's one <laughs> tiny town. Is what do we have? Eight people live there? <laughs> no, 12. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Does it have a stoplight? We we're actually. I think so. Yeah. We we're actually talking about ball ground. It's, it's a really cool southern Georgia town. I don't think that it has a stoplight. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we just <laughs> had. If you don't know, we just had lunch in ball ground. Uh, do you have any weeks. billboards? <laughs> I don't think they do. No, it's we're talking about a tiny town. Now imagine there's a kid there who causes a great deal of upset for everybody. He's breaking laws. He's being unruly. He terrorizes people. You go, whoa, that could that could really impact a small community. Bingo. Most communities in the New Testament and Old Testament were quite tiny. And if you had a troublemaker like that who reached the point where we have tried everything, they got to go because they can't wreck the lives of everyone because they can't get their members under control. That is true for a community and it is true for a church. Diotrephes was such a pain in the neck that John said, this guy has got to go. Let's see if we can see from the apostle of love, which, by the way, you have to say it that way each time. If you're going to teach from 1st, 2nd, 3rd John or the Gospel of John, you have to identify him as the apostle of love. What about Revelation? (laughs) Yeah, there's that too. (laughs) It's funny about the book of Revelation. Friel, what is funny about the book of Revelation? (laughs) It's a colloquialism to say it's interesting in the, the book of Revelation how it so emphatically points to Jesus on his throne in amidst a sea of persecution. The book of Isaiah does that. When when Isaiah had that vision of God, it was the same thing in the year King Uzziah died. Oh no. (laughs) Look up. God's reigning. Don't be in a panic. Doesn't matter that Joe Biden is the president. I'm I'm contemporizing this for us. You don't have to. Jesus has got it. It's under control. Go about your business. Be faithful, but don't be in a snit over this. And as I read through more and more verses in the Bible, it's funny when The Lord helps you to see certain themes. Regularly, you will see encouragements. Hold on. Think eternally. Remember what God is doing. He's orchestrating everything. It is a consistent theme in the Bible. So let's listen to what the apostle of love. There it is. Thank you (laughs) very much. This is from The Cripplegate. It's a website always worth visiting. These guys do thoughtful work. Here's the verse, 3 John 9. I wrote something to the church. 
but diatrophies. <laughs> That's a heavy hand from John, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I'll call attention to his deeds, unjustly accusing us with wicked words and not satisfied with this. He himself does not receive the brethren, and he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. This guy is trouble, and it is not a first century malady. It is today. Ask your pastor. Pastor, have you ever had to deal with the diatrophies? Without naming that name, because in that context, it's unnecessary. Tell me about the experience, and they will tell you that individual was a toothache. We're talking root canal level here. He lusts for recognition. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first. In other words, know me. Did I ever tell you about that anonymous gift that I gave? It was a large one. Wait a second. It's anonymous, then you shouldn't be talking about it. But Diotrephes can't help himself because he wants to be at the front of the line. From Cripplegate, it's a devastating diagnose, diagnose, diag, I think that there's a typo here. Diagnosis of pride's plaguing of the soul. Here's the idea. You have great affection for prominence. This is somebody who loves him or herself, and wants to be known for all of the amazing things that they do. Do you know a diatrophies? They gotta go. We think he thinks he is superior to the other believers. So he's got a huge pride problem. Condescends to everybody. If he wants to be with other believers, typically just so that he can gratify his craving for significance. It's only because he wants to be the focus. So you need people for that kind of attention craving. Three, he uses the church and ministry to gain recognition for himself. That's what he exists for. Number four, he's unteachable. He, I wrote something, but Diatrophes does not accept what we say. This guy will not take correction. He's blind and self-deceived. He doesn't accept what we say. That's what pride will do to you. Six, he is arrogantly unsuspicious of himself. Seven, he must be called out publicly. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does. This is a person who is so disruptive and who typically has accompanying sins that go along with the sin of pride and self-centeredness. If this is somebody in your church, don't kick them out immediately, but they do need to be dealt with, and it needs to be brought to the attention of the church, because most likely, if you've let a diatrophies go for a season, they've infected everything. Do you know a diatrophies? This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable, biblical health 
sharing, Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel Partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free loving Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 863 A.D. Cyril and Methodius, Greek brothers, evangelize the Serbs. Cyril develops the Cyrillic alphabet, which remains the basis for the Slavonic used in the liturgy of the Russian church. Even the alphabet can be a reminder of God's work in the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So you don't think it's possible, do you? This is Wretched Radio. Recently posted a video 12 ways the early church was persecuted and 12 ways that you're going to be persecuted (laughs) because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything just repeats itself. If you study history, it's wash, rinse, repeat. When we study church history, it's not just to memorize a flurry of dates. Instead, it is to learn how did our ancestors deal with it, recognizing they're not infallible, They didn't deal with everything rightly, but we have a 
a view now looking back where we don't want to imagine that we're smarter than they were because everybody lives in a context, which means if they were influenced by their world, we are too. So before we adopt any chronological snobbery, we want to make sure we understand these people were smart. How did they deal with it? What did they do? What was the response? What caused the consternation of a community to want to crack down on the Christians? Jimmy, that was some of the finest alliteration or alliteration I've ever heard. <laughs> you should, yeah. It was a cacophony. I think it might have been more accurately <laughs> described. So we posted this video on persecution to say, hey, just get ready. Just be we're supposed to be ready anyway. With the, 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 we're supposed to be anticipating the return of Jesus living like eternity could start for everybody very soon that we are thinking about eternal life and not just temporal things. And so when we look back and we study the early church and why they took a beating, it's not hard to draw some lines and go, yeah, that's kind of happening already. Now, we listed those in the videos. We're not going to retread that. Instead, would like to respond to the people who said, ah, not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Methinks it already is. Now, it's a little more sophisticated. It, it's, it's not feeding people to the lions yet. But we do see all of the markings for persecution, and this is not to put everybody into a state, but it is an encouragement to prepare before we get there. We're going to be sharing this September, in September. Sat down with Tim Challies, you know, the blogger from Canada. He lost his son. His 20-year-old son, Nick, died unexpectedly, suddenly tragically and tim has written a book about it and we sat down i do believe it was his first interview that he's done since the death of his son and the drum that he kept banging is don't wait to be in a season of sorrow which is the name of his book it's not out yet don't don't get your sovereignty theology figured out when you need it Get it figured out now so that you're prepared for the difficulties of life because you're going to enter a season of sorrow if you're not in one already. And it's so much better. It's an ounce of prevention is what it is. So let's just take our spiritual vitamins to ward off feeling devastated, fearful, like, like we're losing everything. Persecution isn't something we long for. But if it comes... We have to adopt a mindset that is so foreign to this world. And frankly, it's hard for us to be and feel the way the Bible says that we should. That we, we count it joy. That we get to suffer with Christ. It's a privilege to be persecuted. That is so radical it's funny when we look back in time and we take a look at cultures and we think, well, they they didn't know as much as we do. We're more sophisticated, yada, yada. The same old attitude that every generation has. We're really foolish if we don't think that we aren't immersed and baked in a culture 
And I think that the current culture that we get to live in, and it is a blessing, it is one of ease. It is so much less physical work than it used to be just to live, to survive. You had to work so hard. And now uh, we don't have anything. Let's just stop at McDonald's. Boom, you get a bag of food. I'm not saying it's a good bag of food, but you get a bag of food. Boom. Just like, and you've got choices. I mean, on it. Okay. I know this guy. His coffee, it's not enough that it was just brewed. It's got to be put in the microwave to be made hotter. Can you imagine somebody like that? And I can't, he can because he's got a microwave. And I just, he just pushes the button and boom, suddenly it's hotter within 30 seconds. Amazing. And maybe, just maybe, being immersed in this culture of a lot of ease, not entirely. I, I get the hardships of life that that you and I have a hard time going. Wait a second. I I'm, should be thinking if persecution hits me and my family. I, I need to consider it to be a privilege. Now, we're not talking about click your heels. Yippee skippy. I'm going to get a beating tomorrow. No. But we recognize this is this was our savior. This is this is how he was treated then the world hasn't had enough. It has not applied as many lashes to the back of our Savior as they would like. So they'll apply them to yours because you're as close as they can get. And our mindset needs to be, I'm going to count this joy. This is a privilege. Painful? Yeah. But it's a privilege. That mindset is one that we should be working on now signs of persecution let's go to canada as you know i'm not sure how many details they have yet but there's a, the belief is that there was a mass grave of indigenous peoples in canada and it was the roman catholic church along with the government that was involved in these and so these unmarked graves have caused the town of ikaluit I-Q-A-L-U-I-T, Waynort. Churches are no longer tax exempt. Well, then, that's a, that's a start. Now, is that persecution? Well, I don't think when we define the term persecution, inconveniences should be in, in, in considered a part of the definition. But isn't this moving toward, hey, you Christians, you get you get no benefits here. There was a day when the community would see the church and go, look, we got to do what we can to help them survive because they're good for us. Well, that ain't happening from Canada. This is from Global News. Nunavut, sorry, N-U-N-A-V-U-T, MP Lori Idlaut defended the bylaw. In an interview, noting the remote northern city is already struggling to pay for basic services. So why should churches be exempt? Everyone is lacking resources. It's not fair for the rest of the municipality to have to carry the burden of a faith-based group. Well, that's not what you're doing. You're not carrying the burden. But do you see the attitudinal shift? We're, we're helping you. We used to think the church is helping us. Let's just... Let them keep their money because they spend their money wisely and well to help people. 
And then, of course, you've got this CRT line added to her interview. That itself is a part of the history of colonialism. Oh, oh, please, with the CRT. World, no, not that one. Let's do this one. You're going to go, wait a second. What does this have to do with persecution? When you look at an institution that is Christian, and I'm talking about the institution of marriage, we're the ones who can explain where that came from. The answer to the question, how did we get marriage, is in the book of Genesis. Don't tell Ken Ham I said that. But today, that institution is under assault. Headline from Psychology Today. Five great reasons to get a divorce. (laughs) You got to know when to cut your losses. And they invoke God's name by saying, thank him for divorce. Unbelievable. What are the reasons? Well, they include the person is incapable of love. (laughs) They just, they can't give me the loving that I need. That ain't a Christian view of marriage, pathological levels of passivity in solving life's problems. If you're married somebody and they just don't help solve the challenges that you're confronted with, Eh, they're out of there. So if I ask my wife, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. I I divorce the, I divorce the, I divorce the. Actually, that's harder than it is to get divorced these days. I'm telling you, up up where you live, Jimmy, there's a billboard. I see it every time I drive by. It's like, divorce, $99. Like it's like they're having a sale on divorces. (laughs) Or it's got some cheeky little statement like, don't love them, then lose them. Mm. Whoa. What is that? It's an assault on marriage, just like it is an assault on every single institution that has been informed in part or in total by Christianity. Christian, let's not go looking for trouble, but let's prepare our hearts and the hearts of our family for the trouble that, well, it looks like it's knocking on the door. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. An appeals court in Louisiana ruled last week that the state's ban on abortion can indeed take effect while a pro-abortion lawsuit continues. The ruling now makes Louisiana the 13th state with either an abortion ban or heartbeat law in place. Ultimately, we could see as many as 26 bans on abortion, which would save the lives of millions of babies every year. And speaking of the Roe versus Wade overturn, some liberals have been protesting the decision with sex strikes, which I find no issue with. I mean, isn't abstinence to prevent pregnancy something most people understand? No problem with that one, but the one thing that I find awfully weird is the growing number of sterilizations that are taking place. It's being worded as if it's a means of protest against the Roe vs. Wade overturned, but I'm not sure how preventing yourself from getting pregnant, which would prevent abortions from taking place, is an actual protest against the banning of abortions. I can't make that one make sense. A cheerleader who is a biological male was criminally charged last week for choking a female teammate at a cheer camp. 
and that's not something that should surprise any of us. The incident took place at Ranger College in Texas when the female cheerleader called the dude a man, which is a true statement, and she also said that he should not be on the team, which I would argue is also a true statement. But the guy's response wasn't anything girly, which is what he thinks he is. Nope, it was rather aggressive and testosterone-filled. But what do you expect? A federal judge ruled last week that it was reasonable to conclude that Visa knowingly intended to help monetize child pornography on Pornhub and other sites operated by its parent company, MindGeek. The judge ruled that Visa knew MindGeek's websites were monetizing child porn. Visa obviously strongly disagreed with the ruling, though I'm not quite sure their opinion actually matters. Because doesn't everyone obviously claim innocence? And here's another story that sadly shouldn't surprise anyone. A defender for the North Carolina Courage, a professional women's soccer team, was benched for the team's Friday game last week because she refused to wear an LGBT pride-themed jersey. Jaylene Daniels, who's an open Christian, also made headlines in 2017 when she withdrew from the U.S. soccer team after it was announced the team would be wearing rainbow-themed jerseys. So it's not like the North Carolina Courage didn't know who they were signing. And the U.S. Air Force recently held a drag show at a family-friendly festival. It was dubbed a diversity, equity, and inclusion event featuring a drag show. But also, the festival included a kid zone with face painting and bounce houses. I guess you can't be truly inclusive unless you include kids in a highly inappropriate and overly sexualized drag show. Good job, Air Force. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Song of Songs, also known as Song of Solomon, is a song about romantic love. The author uses sensuous, romantic language to describe courtship and marriage, desire and intimacy in the context of purity and goodness, which are God's intentions for marriage. A biblical view of marital love is romantic and passionate while being innocent and pure. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Personally, I do not know what is funny about this. This is Wretched Radio. (laughs) The nerve. Somebody sent me a link to a skit that was presented in Great Britain. It's an Anglican rector at a funeral. And he goes about the business of correcting everybody's grammar. And for some reason, somebody who watched it felt compelled to send it to me. And by the way, you had a couple of typos in your email. (laughs) I do not know why this was why I came to the top of your mind when you saw this. We will now have the eulogy, which will be delivered by the daughter of the departed, Susan. I just want to say a few words about my dad, to who I owe so much. Excuse me. Yes? At the risk of sounding pedantic, it's to whom I owe so much. Exactly. Who is a subject pronoun? Your father is evidently the object of the sentence. Therefore, one should use the object pronoun, namely whom. Pray continue. Don't know why they added a laugh track. Grammar is serious business. This is very, very crucial. What was the the thing, the hat that I, oh, uh, grammar saves lives. <laughs> Let's eat, comma, grandma. Let's eat, grandma. 
This is nothing to spoof around with, people. Where to begin? There's so many things we all loved about. Uh, there are so many things, plural. First, I'd like to start. Mm, uh, firstly. What? Firstly is more formal, so. I can't believe you're interrupting me. Everyone here is completely disinterested in what you have to say. Is uninterested, disinterested. <laughs> One has to respect the departed, not to mention the English language. More than anything else, I remember my father's sense of humour. Whether he was at work or down the local pub, he would always be holding court, and people would literally laugh their heads off. Mm, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they would literally laugh their heads off that their heads would have become detached from their bodies. Exactly. Literally doesn't mean figuratively. Highly unlikely that your father would ever have said anything that funny. Vicar, you and me are going to fall out. You and I, let's not forget our personal in a day such as today. For goodness sake, you're putting me off. No, I'm not putting you off. That would end the sentence with a preposition. I'm being off-putting. How dare you do this to me? I am grieving. This is my father down there. Was. In past tense, he's dead. Now you just lay there and think about what you've done. Not lay, lie. You shouldn't use the <laughs> Grammar is serious business. Well, we used to think that. And speaking of something we shouldn't laugh at, but in part we're going to. Yes, this is the segue into a John MacArthur clip that somebody sent to me that I thought was really helpful because we continue to see in evangelical quarters a desire to believe that we can cast out demons. That you and I have the same spiritual authority as the apostles, that we can tell a demon you need to skedaddle. John MacArthur, you're going to hear this goes back years, but this clip shows how we are supposed to deal with demons. This is a rare thing. I've, I've preached the gospel for a long time, and only about three times in my whole life have I ever heard demons speak been confronted. One of them was a few weeks ago. I told you about last week, right down here in the front, when a demon-possessed person came running down the aisle after I was preaching gospel, exalting Christ's power over the kingdom of darkness, came at me and said, why are you attacking me? Why are you trying to hurt me? Which is exactly what the demon said here. But it was some years ago, when I had first come to Grace, we had built the family center and we were having services there before we built this facility. It was a Sunday night, and after the service was over, I was over having some food with somebody from the church, and I got a call from Jerry Mitchell, who was here a few weeks ago. He was on the staff at the time. He said, you got to come down here, John. I got a, I got a girl in here who's got all kinds of demon voices. He'd never experienced anything like this, and I never had either. And I said, well, I don't know if I can be much help, but I'll come right down. So I came down. I walked in, and there was chaos in the office. It was uh, over in the uh, building by the, the family center. And I walked in, and the, the place was in disarray, and it was obvious that she had been terrorizing things. She had overturned the desk. And poor Jerry, who was a boxer in the Navy, was having a hard time defending himself against this <laughs> girl. And that is characteristic of the New Testament accounts where there's a certain level of strength that's beyond normal. And I'll never forget the greeting when I walked in the door. I walked in the door... And this, out of this girl's mouth, whom I had met and with whom I had spoken because she'd been coming to the church, 
came this voice, and I, I can't obviously replicate it, but in my memory it was, I know what the voice said. I, it's something like, not him, not him, not him, get him out, get him out, get him out, to me. That impression was kind of creepy. <laughs> I don't mind telling you. <laughs> well, my first reaction was, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm up to this. <laughs> wow. And my second reaction was, they know who I am. And they know whose side I'm on. That's very affirming. <laughs> it was affirming. I sort of started feeling apostolic. <laughs> Paul I know and Jesus I know and John MacArthur, you know. Wow. Amazing. I don't think that demon was afraid of me humanly. I don't, I don't have any human power to deal with demons. In fact, Jerry and I didn't know what to do. We started trying to send the demons away. Mm-hmm. We, we sent him everywhere you could think of. The pit, the abyss, Phoenix, anywhere hot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, bottom, the bottom line is they didn't go anywhere. And that will happen to you. Books, movies, sermons, if you can call them that, that teach you how to engage in spiritual warfare. So you follow uh, the language of Paul. You use the language of Jesus to cast them out, and yet they don't go anywhere. That's what happened to John MacArthur. So does that mean that we are hopeless and helpless when it comes to demon possession? No. And so we just were praying and saying, you know, this isn't working. This casting out thing isn't working. I'm not Jesus, and we're not apostles, and we don't have authority over that kingdom. Bingo. There's only one way that this girl will ever be delivered, and that is when Christ delivers her in the act of salvation. So we, we wrestled, literally physically trying to restrain her and get her in a chair, and she was so exhausted, physically finally calmed down, and um, we gave her the gospel. And she confessed her sin, I'll never forget it. Just really gushed out her sin before the Lord and embraced Jesus Christ, and then it was just this calm that came everywhere. There was deliverance, nothing to do with me, nothing to do with a formula, nothing to do with an exorcism, nothing to do with that at all. That, that is not what deals with demons. She needed to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness. You understand that? She was. She was. The demon was terrified of me not because of something I could do in the human. The demon was terrified of me because the demon connected me with the message of the gospel. And the demon knew that if the gospel came to this girl and she believed it, he was finished. And that's exactly what happened. She was as clean as a driven snow after that and never had another occasion of that kind of terrifying experience. Amen. That is how we are called to deal with demons. Preach the gospel. There are two reasons for this. First of all, pneumatology. I find it somewhat ironic that the circles that tend to spend so much time talking about the Holy Spirit and yet failing to recognize what he does when he indwells a human being has implications for all of their talk on demon possession and how to cast demons out. 
The way to cast a demon out is to have the Holy Spirit in because the Holy Spirit is not fond of demonic roommates. They have to go. Are there still demon possessions? Absolutely. They they happen here. They can be a little bit more sophisticated sometimes in their presentation because of the culture that we live in. Did I use the word? Can I use the word culture? Is that just? Nope. Okay. So in other places, can I use the word other places? Sometimes it's really obvious what's going on. What do you do? Ask the seven sons of Sceva. Don't cast them out. Preach the gospel. Talk about Jesus Christ. That's where the power is because the Holy Spirit regenerating a human heart dwells inside of the person and the demon goes. Don't be persuaded and don't be confused that you have apostolic authority. Even John MacArthur doesn't have that. Instead, should you run into a situation like this, if you know the gospel, then you are equipped to see demons skedaddle. This is Wretched Radio. 200, that's right, 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I can tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. 
It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Mediator. God is holy and cannot have fellowship with sinful men. But Jesus is both righteous man and holy God, and through Him we have direct access to God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Marriage is what brings us together today. This is Wretched Radio. Let's talk marriage, shall we? Uh, Starting with the Anglican Communion Lambeth Conference, Nix's resolution language reaffirming biblical definition of marriage. Oh, good. Do you hear that crumbling sound? That's the Anglican Church as they continue to destroy themselves on purpose. The Anglican communion leaders will no longer consider a measure that would reaffirm the biblical definition of marriage as being between one man and one woman at their decennial conference. That's like every whatever years following an outcry from theological liberals. There you have it. That would be the reason, although many members like the United States-based Episcopal Church and the Church of Scotland have embraced same-sex marriage. The fastest-growing churches of the communion continue to reject same-sex marriage. Hello, McFly. You want to grow? Be biblical. I'm just telling you. If you are a church that is desiring to make Jesus palatable for the world, um, you're writing yourself out of a job because people are not going to show up for what you're peddling. The Jesus that is soft and squishy and never judges and never has expectations for his children. Yes, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. But we are called to die to ourselves daily. And a church that doesn't preach that, when, when it gets really hot in the persecution teapot, People are not going to stick around. They are going to fly away from you because it ain't worth it. If you want to grow, be faithful, which means be biblical. Got to tell you, it was such a treat. Let's all be honest, shall we? You go to church. You greet everybody. You found your parking place. Everything is good. You're walking in. Maybe the temperature isn't exactly to your preference, but nevertheless, overall, things are going okay. You're handed a bulletin. You sit down after some perfunctory greetings. You open it up and no, our preacher, he's gone. There's a substitute preacher this morning. Let's be honest. We all get that feeling, don't we? Aren't you the substitute sometimes? Yes, and I get that feeling. <laughs> I, it's slightly different shade, but yes, I do get that feeling. So this happened on Sunday. One of our deacons was going to preach. He crushed it. I mean, wow, he did such a great job. Uh, now, 
I, I would actually take issue with him because he was calling Romans 3 about verse 21 through 24. He called it the Acropolis of the Bible, the, the highest point. See, I, and I get that because it's so loaded with theology. He rightly said, he was quoting Paul Washer, that if you had to just pick a couple of verses or a verse in Scripture, that's, the, that's all you get for the rest of your life, just those words. Paul Washer said, I take these. I take these. Let me tell you what these are. Hold on one second. It's about justification and that God is vindicated in the death of Jesus Christ and in the damnation of sinners. In other words, God is still a judge. Jesus is still angry at the wicked every day. And that is why we need him, and it vindicates God. See, he's been right all along. So here's what it says. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being written by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely. I think this is the verse that Paul Washer and Martin Lloyd-Jones also love. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That, that, that's, that's enough information to get saved right there. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he passed over former sins, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. And he called that the Acropolis, lifting the language from, a. I think, I think Augustine maybe said that originally, or is it Augustine? Are we in Florida? It feels like <laughs> it. Wow. Like living in somebody's mouth, it's so humid around here. It got down to like 78 degrees. The, uh, what night was it? I think Sunday night. Yeah, it was cold. Yeah. And, and, and we went for a walk, ringing wet, just <laughs> sopping wet. And we were just walking. We weren't building a fence. We were walking. I'm telling you, it's humid. I would actually argue to a degree that the culmination of Romans is found in Romans 8. Because Romans 1, set, well, all the way through 7 and all the way through chapter 8, it, it's, he's, he's laboring in the law and the gospel, law and gospel, law and gospel. And the crescendo is nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And then he just thunders it. Neither height, nor depth, nor width, nor breadth. And then he just to just to make sure you didn't miss the point, nor any other created thing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Ah. But that isn't an ah until you have worked through the law and seen the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the justice of God. That is so prerequisite for somebody understanding the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And it was such a treat to hear a deacon of all people handle the word seriously. You could tell he's one of those scripture memorizer people. They just flowed right in there with what he was saying. In other words, 
I had to repent. Study, marry young, marry your first, stay married. This is a demographer who has taken a look at what it takes to be to be successful in this here culture. Basically, get married young, Mar- married. Don't be dating, 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 shacking up. By the way, shacking up. Everybody thinks, well, they're just going to learn how to live with each other. Wrong. The rates of divorce are higher for people who shack up. That's what that's a Harvard study. That, that that says that if you shack up, you're in trouble. Furthermore, if you go to church, you're more likely to be successful. Why? Because this is God's way. And if we don't do it God's way, we're going to struggle. And it will not be what it can be. If you're young and married and you're struggling, could I encourage you to, well, make some adjustments, but hang in there. I, I have been trying to think about how to articulate. We're, we're almost 32 years into this thing. And the way that I feel, I cannot grope to find the correct words to describe it. it, it it's, it's, it's so much more profound. It's almost inexplicable. Like, I didn't know that I could literally see a different carbon-14 unit as being me and vice versa. Hang in there. Marriage is good, and it's God's way, and a culture that promotes it between a man and a woman is a culture that will do better. From Christian Post, six good reasons you shouldn't badmouth your husband or wife. (laughs) This might be practical because... It can be subtle. You might not be able to repair the damage that you do to your spouse's reputation. You fuel your feelings of resentment. Your friends may give you bad advice because you haven't painted the picture accurately. Your friends may share what you say with their friends. You can almost count on that. Hey, listen, don't tell anybody but my wife. You think... put. But what's the name of the character, Taming of the Shrew? Um, not Pinocchio, not Petruchio. Was it Petruchio, Taming of the Shrew? Okie dokie then. So much for the Shakespeare references around here. You think he had a shrew. What was that guy's name? Uh, Petruch- Maybe it was Petruchio. At any rate, if you think she was a shrew, ho, 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 ho. You don't think that that person that you are confiding in Listen, don't tell anybody I said this to you, but Bob told me his wife is a real nag. You know, we need to be praying for him. You may have kissed and made up, but other people's opinions of your spouse may not change. Sharing information about your marriage erodes trust. Instead of gossiping about your spouse, learn to defend your spouse. Refuse to badmouth your spouse. Shut down people who speak poorly of your spouse. In front of people, build up your spouse. Don't tear them down. Remember, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Every time you restrain from that, you're becoming more righteous. You're you're becoming more sanctified. Fight the urge to undermine your marriage by trash-talking your sweetheart. And it's Petruchio. Petru- it is Petruchio. <laughs> Thus have I politically begun my reign. Oh, sorry. Shakespeare quote. Until tomorrow. Go serve your king. <laughs>